Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Ira Sachs, whose new film, Passages, is currently playing in our theaters. Get your tickets at filmlink.org passages. A masterful work of psychosexual intensity, the newest film from Ira Sachs offers one of the director's most cutting variations on desire and intimacy. Co-written by author and longtime collaborator Mauricio Zacharias, the film follows Tomas, Franz Rogowski, a German filmmaker living in Paris, whose commitment to his husband, Martin, played by Ben Wishaw, falls short when he pursues a young school teacher, Agatha, played by Adele Exarchopoulos. Martin begins his own affair soon after, while Tomas swings between both relationships and unleashes a reckless succession of breakups and makeups. With fearless performances from his leads, Sax offers a cinematic rarity in which the white-hot pleasures and compulsions of a particularly dysfunctional amour fou are kept on par with ferocious honesty. Earlier this week, we announced the highly anticipated 32 films selected for the main slate of the 61st New York Film Festival, taking place from September 29th through October 15th. NYFF 61 passes are on sale, with six film passes just added and discounts through next Thursday, August 17th. Get yours at filmlink.org passes. We're also happy to announce that tickets are now on sale for Korean cinema's golden decade, the 1960s, a retrospective of over 20 films from this remarkable period in Korean film history. The series will run from September 1st through the 17th, and is one of the largest retrospectives ever of 1960s Korean cinema outside of Korea including rarely screened films, several of which will be presented on 35mm archival prints. Individual tickets are available, as are three film packages and all-access passes. Get yours today at filmlink.org slash koreanyc. Now please enjoy the conversation between Passages director Ira Sachs and moderator film critic Esther Zuckerman. Thank you so much for being here. I wanted to start, if you could tell me a little bit about sort of the genesis of this idea and sort of wanting to explore this dynamic that we see in the film. Well, really, almost more than the dynamic, it was the kind of film that 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 um, that I missed and that I longed for that I was setting out to try to make, which was a film of um, intimacy. I, we, I, Mauricio Zacharias, my co-writer, who's, who's back there looking at his phone, uh, uh, and I um, spent, a, spent um, like during the pandemic, there was this sense that we missed something. And, and one of the things that I was worried about among the thousands during that time was, was like that the kind of cinema that I loved might not be here when we came back. And that was a cinema of, of closeness and risk and actors doing things that other people can't do. Also a cinema of desire and, and beauty and risk. Yeah. So, so it was almost like a type of film 
that we set out to make. I we then saw um, the last film of Visconti um, called The Innocent, and it's a love triangle about a very wealthy, powerful man, his mistress, and his wife, and uh, it's really really powerful and the structure is powerful. And so we, we were inspired by that film to create a, a, our own version of this love triangle. Uh, and really specifically, we wrote for Franz Rogowski. I was gonna ask like, where did the characters sort of emerge out of this desire? Spe and specifically, I was gonna ask about Tomas because he is so indelible. And so where did the characters emerge out of this desire? And as you said, wanting to write for Franz. Uh, I had seen Mikkel Haneke's uh, Happy End at the Film Forum uh, maybe eight years ago. And I, and and if you haven't seen the film, I recommend it. But if you don't want to watch the whole film, I recommend you go to YouTube and say Mikkel Haneke, uh, Franz Rogowski, Chandelier by Sia. <laughs> because it's a karaoke performance by uh, Franz Rogowski in that movie, which is just like pure joy and cinema and mess. It's a real mess. And it's and and really um that was what got me super turned on. And and I thought, oh I, I should try to make a film with that guy. And um <laughs> and so we wrote this script and I think Tomas um really what we wanted to do and I think it was also living under Trump, to be honest. We wanted to establish a man with power and to consider that power. Also, for me personally, I, I seem to have made a lot of movies about men behaving badly. It's something that I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm familiar with in certain ways, as, as most men are. And I was interested in that, but I also wanted to begin with him on a pedestal. And I, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to end with him on the floor. So there's this kind of... Um, there's a, there's, you know, that's the story yeah. of the film. What was it like sort of knowing that you had Franz and what was the reach out process like to get him and make sure he would be the person to do it? Well, I've, I've written often for actors and sometimes they make the movie and sometimes they don't. And, and I prefer when they do, but also it's fine if they don't, okay. because to be honest, they've inspired the writing. Like they they were a muse. And um, in this case, I sent the film, the script to Franz, but I, I certainly did not tell him before our conversation that it was like, it's for you. Like there's no, <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't play that card and, and, and wisely. If anyone wants to try these things, don't do it. Um, uh, because it was really like after we got interested that I said, oh, by the way, I wrote the film for you. Yeah. What was his reaction to that? You know, uh, I think he was flattered, but I don't, I'm not sure I was the first. I mean, <laughs> and very talented man. <laughs> yeah, he's a super talented guy, and um, and I think, but I think really he understood that this was um, this. He understood what kind of film we wanted to make, and I think each of the actors, Adele mm -hmm. and Ben, they signed on because they they thought that they could, they had a chance to do something new and different and kind of um, transparent. Yeah. Like we ask, I don't rehearse with my actors before I start shooting. I block. Um, I spend a lot of time, like six or eight weeks, with my cinematographer coming up with a visual strategy for the film. Really, we I storyboard the film, scene by scene. Um, but we never have traditional rehearsals. I never like to hear the lines from the actors before I start shooting. They've never heard the lines of the other actors. So really, by the the first day of shooting is is like is 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 a day of freedom, but it's also a day that. Failure is always possible, yeah. which I think is an important atmosphere. What was the process of uh, getting Ben and Adele and sort of building the, the other ends of this triangle and 
fig- finding out the right pe- people to play Martin. And you know, I keep I keep my eye open for people who perform in a kind of tra- way that that I'm attracted to, and a lot of that has to do with um, the way that they move from silence to to language. Like how people get through lines of dialogue is something I take notice of. Ben, I'd first noticed him in Todd Haynes's "I'm Not There," where he played one of many Bob Dylans, and um, Adele uh, I saw in a film uh, by Justine Trier called uh, Sybil and she has a small part but she's amazing and I think really I was like who is that and um, we, we ended up getting to make the film together you mentioned wanting to make a film about intimacy and obviously there's a lot of intimacy and you've talked in some of the interviews I've read about sort of sex and storytelling and I was wondering if you could talk about that and talk about sort of establishing that intimacy on screen and how you wanted to depict it well, um, you know, part of it is in the script, so the actors sort of know what's going on. But the, really, the first question is, what is your boundary um, that I ask? Where, where do you feel comfortable, and where do you where do you not feel comfortable? And I think um, once that's stated, there's kind of no other discussion around where they've established a line, and each of them do have a line um, where they, they where they want to what they want to expose and what they don't want to expose. And then and then there's a process of sort of setting up a situation which which um, is obviously based in trust between them and me and also with each other. And in a certain way, if it doesn't work out, if they don't, if nothing happens, there's nothing I can do. So I'm completely at the will of the actor. Um, And if you watch these three sex scenes in the film, each one is a story. And the story is not written by me. It's written by these improvisationally brilliant Actors, they're telling you like periods and commas and exclamation points. They're really they're moving through things that I that I I can't direct in a certain way. I can only make possible. Oh, I'm really interested in that. I was wondering if you could talk about you know because it is a story and these scenes are a story. But so I was wondering, and you're talking about this improvisation, but where is it sort of written in the script of sort of what these scenes mean, and then where do the actors sort of take hold of it? Well, I try not to talk about meaning. I mean, really, I try to avoid talking about subtext, and I try to avoid talking about certain things of motivation. And I, and I, and in a way, what has to happen is the actors believe that I have direction, that I'm taking, I'm going to take the story somewhere, and they they've seen my work, and also I think they've spent time with me. It's it's a lot like. I think they think I would be a good therapist also. <laughs> Not because they're telling me about their lives at all, but because they trust that I'm there to, to kind of be with them as they make discoveries. So um, it's a very personal thing. I think what I wanted with these scenes is each to be about something different. I think the, the sex scene in, in between Franz and Adele where, where they're in bed and Franz is, uh, Tomas is pleasuring the character of Agat was really to me about what happens as much in her kind of um, passion, but his mesmerized uh, kind of in a situation that he was, was new to him. Yeah. And I think that was really the drama there. In the scene with Martin and Tomas, um, one of the things that was, in, was important to me was that the, the, the scene have duration. And, and I thought, I was inspired by Chantal Ackerman's Je Tu Il Elle, which is a film that has a beautiful sex scene between two women, and it goes on. 
And part of what's interesting is the uh, is it kind of you go through phases of 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 being with the material and with with the actors, and then you kind of remove yourself, and then you're still there. And there's something about that extension which is a kind of puncturing of the rhythm of the film. And I think in a way, scenes like that stay with the audience after they've forgotten the plot, which is really not that important. It's the impact that's important. I was wondering, you mentioned sort of your desire to have Tomas start sort of on a pedestal and end on a floor. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, shooting that final sequence on the bike and, I mean, how you accomplished it, but also just sort of how you plotted out the visual language of it. Sure. I'll also just say something about getting him on the floor in the in the school, which is one of the hardest scenes for, I think it probably was the hardest scene for the two actors because um, it's a very realistic film in a lots of ways, unreal in other ways, but it, but in lots of ways. And, and I, and I really wanted him to get on his knees and I wanted him to hug her and I wanted him to end up on the floor. And it was, Franz is a very uh, uh, organic actor and he had a direction that was like no choice. And also it was a little bit big for what we were used to doing. And so it, that one scene, I think there's 18 takes, and he only ended up on the floor once <laughs> because he really just couldn't find and then and, and, you know, and then you have it. In terms of the bicycle scene, uh, Franz is an incredibly insane bicyclist. And, um, and every time I'd meet him in Paris, he'd like, pull up like at the bumper and he'd be like, what? He'd be like, whoa, there's Franz Rogowski. And it was, <laughs> and it was very noticeable and he likes to go fast and he, and he likes to go like you saw him in the, in, in, in the movie. And so I rewrote the end of the film yeah. um, for that fact. And then shooting it, it was, it wasn't really, it was really exhilarating. It was not the hardest thing to shoot, to mm -hmm. be honest. It, we were on, uh, we were out in Paris streets from probably five to nine. So four hours of, of him writing solidly. Oh, really? Wow. We, I don't think we had a break. So he's physically kind of, you know, a beast. And, <laughs> um, uh, and, and, uh, Really what's happening is mostly we're observing him, but then occasionally for the close-ups, he's holding the truck. We're on a truck, and the camera's in the truck, and occasionally he's just kind of like a, one of those skateboard kids, um, and he's right by the truck. And that way we could hold um, a close focus and, and, and use that. I mean, you've been a great depictor of New York, but I was wondering if you could talk about you know your relationship to Paris and sort of setting this film in Paris and why you wanted to do that. Yeah, you know... Uh, uh, it's a city that I've known well since I was in my early 20s. It's a city that I've had relationships. I've had breakups. I've had sex. I've had I've cried in Paris uh, a number of times. Um, so it's like a place I feel at home. It's also a city that I really discovered cinema there. I, I, I lived there as a student in, in 1986. I didn't have any friends. I didn't speak French. I went to the movies two or three times a day, and I saw 197 films in a three-month period, and my life was different after that. And I so my relationship to 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 then specifically to French cinema was one that I that I kind of embraced making this film. I don't think it's a film of references because it doesn't matter what's but it's a film of again this term pleasure. I took pleasure in the films that matter to me most. I was wondering if you could talk about you mentioned sort of you don't rehearse but there is this but as we were talking about there is this sort of intimacy. Do you you know do you get the cast together before you shoot? Do you sort of like, how do you sort of establish that without sort of the idea of rehearsal? 
it's artificial, um, which doesn't mean that they don't like each other. But certain things actors do, they do because they need to. And then I always think it's a little like taking ecstasy. Like they need to get close really fast. And so they make leaps that other of us might take years to get to. And what I tend to do is do something that seems to have worked uh, in many films is that I, um, I set up dates for them um, often, like, for, like that I then disappear. <laughs> So, for example, when Ben and Franz first met, we met in a, a cafe in Paris, and we, we got there, and, and I was introducing them, and then I was like, okay, see you later. <laughs> and, and I left them there, and they were probably ended up staying. They thought it was a little bit strange, but actually they ended up talking for a couple of hours, and that begins enough. And then I would say one of the things that happens is that um, I spend a lot of time working on wardrobe and costumes, and that becomes this really great environment, which I think works like other people find rehearsals work meaning like I get a few act of the like two of them together with the costume designer myself we have snacks and we lots of cigarettes are smoking but not by me and um and you know you kind of try on clothes and 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 that's like a really great way to get to know each other I'd love if you could talk a little bit about sort of establishing the visual language of the costumes for each character. Um, maybe you could start with Tomas, who does have an incredible sense of style, though um, I feel like not always the most appropriate sort of outfits for meeting someone's parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm working with Hadija Zagai, the costume designer. There was a certain point pretty early on where we realized we had a choice between making a a kind of realist cinema and an unreal cinema. And we chose the unreal. So the clothes are, are, are not everyday clothes, but somehow with these three people, they kind of look like they're everyday clothes. And I think once I noticed that they could wear incredibly beautiful, colorful, textured things and also show off a lot of skin and look like, like that's what they do every day, we got it we got a kind of permission to keep going and to try new things. And and for me, particularly with Tomas, the clothes become um, almost a, a kind of language or a prop that tells stories. So when, when I considered, for example, like the sequence of when clothes would be used and I, I had, I saw this little crop top, which was a woman's top. And I was like, Oh, let's try that on Franz. And then once that looked oh, good. And then I realized he would be. He could wear that to seduce Ben, and then I was like, "Oh, but then if he does that, then he's still going to be wearing it when he goes home." So then I realized it transfers, and story is told yeah. through the clothes. So that was really important. Most of the clothes that Franz wore, he has now in his closet, and he really likes to wear often. Um, Adele, I would say, um, uh, we for us there was this a moment which was where we had to make a choice between two racks of clothes. One was an elementary school teacher in Paris that you might see in a subway, and the other was for Bridget Bardot. Yeah. And we went with the Bardot look, <laughs> which means really to accentuate form and color and, 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 and the body, but the opposite way of Franz. She's much more, in general, she's much more covered. She's much more about shape than about um, flesh in a certain way. And and Ben, there was a femininity that we were going to. Ben is the, has the one costume, which I would say, mostly I don't think about metaphor when I think about costume, I think about color. And I'm interested in color and, it, and, and its power. So red, blue, yellow, white, these kind of things. But with Ben, in the last scene when, he, when the breakup happens, that's the only really costume where I thought, let's put him in white. Yeah. Because it says something here. 
Well, I think we have time for a couple of audience questions, if anyone has them. I think we have a mic going around, too. I see one right there in the middle. Um, in the six weeks that you prepare with um, your cinematographer, could you talk a little bit more about that time that you spent on this film? It's um, it's kind of every it is the film. I, I mean, really, I think that I when I make a movie, I make three films. I start off and I work with Mauricio. Luckily, on two blocks away in his apartment, and um, we we make we write a film which we think is the movie, and we get really serious about that movie. Then we shoot a, a film, and during production, we think, oh, that's the movie. We just shot it. That now we know what the movie is, and actually, it's the third film. Um, that we make, which is the one we edit, and the only one that exists afterwards, which becomes the movie. So each one has its own integrity in a certain way. Um, what I tend to do, and I did with Jose DeHai, who's the cinematographer on the film, whose work, um, for me, specifically her work on uh, Saint Laurent by Bertrand Bonello and a film called Before I Forget by Jacques Nulot, these are two films that I was really struck by. And part of what I was interested in was her is the way that she sees bodies and and move bodies and and form as it moves through space. Like you don't really see a, a rectangle, you see a cube, if that makes sense. And that's because she understands depth and she understands lighting. And we talked about lighting specifically that the bar I set for her and Marianne Lamour, her fantastic gaffer, was every scene should have light should be used as an emotion. And that was they were like, okay, we're going to try to do that. And they really set out to find the emotion without you noticing in a certain way. And that's the challenge. But then the process of, of um, constructing the film is, is the two of us, Jose and myself, and then a storyboard artist. And we work maybe three or four hours a day for five or six weeks. And it's basically a circular process that we're looking at certain films, really studying cinema um, in a, in a, in a obsessive way, meaning not cinema in general, not like we don't watch a lot of movies. We look at like this scene and this film and we try to figure out language and, and that becomes a process where we draw a few things and then we, go back and do it again until we find the language that works for us. And, and for me, it's a language of following. It's the camera follows people instead of actually jumps to the other side. It's often about how people move through space that I'm working with. I see a question right there. I like that you talk about them each um, in their first name and as as actors, not as characters. And that's something that that I've talked to to all three actors about when we finished the film and they watched it. Is they is is that in the film you you're watching Tomas and Martin and and Agat, but you're also floating into watching Ben and Franz and Adele. And I think that's on it's it's on purpose because in a way what I asked them to do is bring themselves and then the clothes become this armor, which tells story. But really what you're watching is these people and that's, and, and they can't hide from that. So I think that's why there's this familiarity that grows with the actors themselves. Um, for me, production design is, is a lot about um, location and finding locations. I tend to f look for locations that have history already in them because it makes my job easier because there's something, that, there's detail that has meaning and, and, and narrative and, and conflict almost in the way that walls look or that a stairwell looks. I also have often written... Um, 
um, scenes that are kind of these things that are kind of often left out in other movies, which is like how people walk walk in a place or in a car on a way somewhere or like like these kind of intermittent places are to me in cinema they're places where you can actually observe people that like kind of gives you a moment of reverie about what came before and what came after. So um, I I would say one of the things about the film is it's really interior um, until the end. And part of that bicycle scene is like a returning of the movie and the characters to the city because it actually then, the, then, then you feel that these people are, live somewhere. They're not just abstractly doing theater. They're actually in a world that might be yours. Um, the question was about the choice of making Franz a director and and how specifically um, he's finishing this film that he shot and he talks about um, uh, after production being an asshole. Yes. My husband's here, uh, <laughs> Boris Torres, uh, and and I I don't think I I don't go. This isn't what happens in our life, but. <laughs> But but I, I think um, I do notice that when I get off set and maybe when I get out of the Q&As, I start talking over everybody as if like whatever I'm saying seems really important. And it's like you have to go, wait a minute, just like shut shut up. And like because you get used to people doing what you say. And that's like this odd thing. For me, it only happens like five weeks every three or four years. So it's not so it's not very bad. But um, um, but to me, there was never and Mauricio, tell me if you feel the same way. For me, there was never a moment this was any he was going to be anything else but a, a film director. It was just like immediate. That's who this person was. And I think part of it, unlike uh, Chantal Ackerman um, in Je Tuilel, who stars in the film or Another film that was important to us, uh, Taxi Zoom Klo, a German film made in 81, starring the director. I can't act. and so, But I'm still interested in exposing myself in a certain way. And so um, in a way that I hope is not just exposing myself, but actually sharing some part of, 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 of my, you know, the, my experience or, or who I am um, in the work. Like I want to be, be transparent. And so I think that was really, to a great extent, where, where the idea of the filmmaker came from. And then there is this sense, um, like, I'm not so interested in labor, but these people exist in a world in which they, they have jobs, they do things. And so un, uh, coming to the point of deciding it would be from the last day of the shoot to going off to a film festival, there's like an arc there that's like really strong, but doesn't need much attention. So that was really, I think, what we, what, why we used that in a certain way. Thank you so much for being here, Ira. Thank you, Thank Esther. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you.